Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. In today's chapter, we see Jesus heal a blind man. And then we see the blind man's parents kind of like halfway disassociate with their son. What's up with that? Why didn't they acknowledge that Jesus had healed him? Wouldn't good parents be excited to share this news? After all, their son had been blind since birth. Imagine never being able to ask your child what his or her favorite color is or what color popsicle or candy or bike they'd prefer. Imagine never teaching your child to read until suddenly, after years of no color, no sight, everything changes. Why wouldn't you want to tell everyone how your son had been healed? The summer before I started the Watermark Institute, every incoming student was required to read a book and then memorize a series of around 14 verses. 14 might sound like a lot, but we had the whole summer, and a lot of them were honestly pretty common Romans Road verses. First week of the Institute, all 40 of us arrive, and we have a luncheon with all of our ministry leaders. So there were probably around 80 people in the room, all the bosses, ministry directors, Institute staff, and students. Everyone's there. And after lunch, we played a game called Over the Mountain. And the premise of this game was simple. Everyone sits in a circle, 80 people in a circle. One chair is removed. The person who doesn't have a chair stands in the center of the circle, and they say something like, over the mountain if you went to the beach this summer. And then everyone who went to the beach gets out of their chair and has to run across the circle to find a new seat. It's mass chaos. Last one standing, well, whoever can't find a chair, takes their turn in the middle and provides a new prompt. And after a few rounds of simple cheesy prompts, one of my classmates thought he'd spice it up a bit. Over the mountain, he said, if you didn't memorize all of the summer memory verses. And people laughed. Some people gasped, and about 15 to 20 students got up and switched seats. But then, the game wasn't funny anymore because those 20 people just laughed about neglecting their responsibilities. From there, the game was paused, and one awkward guy who had just stood in the center was called on. What was the hardest verse you were supposed to memorize this summer? 1 John 5, 11 through 13, he said. Okay, everyone. I want you to raise your hand. We were instructed, raise your hand right now if you don't want to be called on. Raise your hand if you can't recite that verse. And in that moment, I wanted to raise my hand. It was a hard verse. It had taken me the longest to memorize. There were a lot of people in that room. It was intimidating. And so I started to raise my hand as if I hadn't done my homework. But then I thought, what am I doing? I do know the verse. I mean, I I know it. I'm just afraid of being called on. I did my homework. It's not, it's not a big deal. I did the bare minimum expectation. So I kept my hand down. I didn't raise it. But I was sitting in my seat scared. And our teacher continued, okay, now I want you to walk up to someone who isn't raising their hand, someone who's saying, I did my homework, and ask them to recite the verse. And the poor guy in the middle He walks up to another classmate, but the only problem was that classmate should have raised his hand. He didn't know the verse. In front of all 80 people, he said, I did my homework, and then he didn't know it. So the same sad guy in the middle had to find someone else. He had to keep going until he could find someone who had done their homework, who knew the verse. 
and he walked up to me. And I was afraid. Normally, for me, honestly, public speaking, it's not a big deal. But this was my first day in a new place, new school, new environment, new peers, bosses, and teachers. And it was terrifying. I'm honest, like, candidly, I don't know if I've ever been more afraid to speak up. Ever been there? Afraid to speak up because you know there will likely be a consequence. For me, if I spoke up and whiffed it, I'd be embarrassed in front of everybody. But if I didn't raise my hand and at least try to speak, I'd be operating out of fear and honestly communicating that something that wasn't true. I had completed my responsibilities. I had put in the work to learn the verses. And the truth was, some of us had done it while others hadn't. That was truth in that moment. And the truth is a catalyst. A catalyst is something or someone that causes something else to happen. Often this chain reaction happens very quickly when a catalyst is involved. So think about it. One person acknowledged truth. I didn't do my homework. And 15 other people were like, yeah, me too. And they got up, laughed, and ran in the moment. This truth, this, this truth that was known by everyone around, moved them to action. In truth-telling, it it typically leads to some sort of reaction as telling the truth, the capital T truth, talking about Jesus and sharing his story always has a consequence. Sometimes it's abundantly positive. Someone comes to know Christ, not a bad consequence. But other times, sharing this truth is costly. Persecution might come. So should we still speak up and share when we know there might be a consequence? It's scary. And in today's chapter, the blind man's parents seem to avoid talking about how their son was healed. At the beginning of the story, the Jews were questioning their son. Was he actually born blind? Has he actually been healed? And the guy's like, yeah, I've been blind my whole life until this guy named Jesus showed up and put mud on my eyes. And the Jews are like, oh, well, well, if he healed you on the Sabbath, on the holy day, he must not be a man of God. But then things get interesting because some of the Jews are like, are you kidding? How could a miracle like this be performed by anyone from anywhere else but God? And in light of this division, it seems as if the Jews are then left to conclude that the man must not have actually been blind. As we read, starting in verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? Verse 20, his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So the parents confirm, yes, a crazy miracle has happened, but they continue with their answer. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. That's interesting. I mean, maybe, maybe they actually didn't know the how. However, John gives us more insight in verse 22. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So basically, the parents are like, yes, he's our son. Yes, a miracle has happened, but we don't want to talk about it. He's an adult. We don't know anything. Go talk to him. Pretty much the opposite of helicopter parents. But the thing is, they were afraid of sharing the truth because they might face a consequence, being kicked out of the synagogue, which in their day was a huge deal. 
And I find it interesting that they send the Jews back to their child. Wouldn't he also be in danger of facing the same consequence? Fear does some crazy stuff, and parents aren't immune. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, if if this portion of chapter 9 ended at verse 21 with, ask him, he'll speak for himself, we could see a normal parental reaction spoken in truth and frankness. But John wanted his readers to know that there was a motivating fear, the pressure of excommunication. He also explained that already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Many interpreters suggest that since we know Christians worshipped in synagogues in the book of Acts, John must have been reading back into the text the rulings of a later day. Remember, John wrote his gospel around 90 AD. It was the last gospel to be written. But in, in drawing that conclusion, that may be attributing more to the text than John intended. Remember, John wasn't focused on talking about the Jews' formal policies and procedures. He was highlighting the hostility of the religious leaders of this time. When Jesus stepped on the scene, he had fans, but, I mean, he also had a lot of haters. The difference, however, between Jesus and the parents of the blind man is that Jesus never cowers in fear. He always speaks up, while the parents seem to have done just the opposite. They cower in fear. The commentator continues, From our modern perspective, we can hardly imagine the horror of excommunication in Jesus' time. Such a ban would curse these people forever from the religious life of their community. The defense of an unknown prophet, even one great enough to heal their blind son, hardly seemed worth such a risk. To avoid such punishment, the parents threw the burden of proof back on their son. He concludes, And sure enough, the son faced the consequences for speaking the truth. He was thrown out of the synagogue. That's verses 23 and 24. He seemed to have followed Jesus' example rather than his parents. And more and more, believers today are going to face consequences for speaking up, for standing for truth. And the question is, do you look more like the parents or the man, like the parents or Jesus? Speaking up, standing up for what is right can be scary and it can have consequences. I mean, I didn't want to raise my hand to share a verse in a church context because I was afraid. But those fears and potential outcomes don't give us a free pass to stay silent. We can't withhold the truth. So I'd encourage you to ask yourself if there are any environments or scenarios in which you're hesitant to talk about your faith or stand for what God's word says is true. Are there any rooms or relationships that you walk into and cower in fear or are overcome by fear? Think about it. Ask God's Spirit to empower you to share with boldness despite those fears. That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.